Aloha Maui. Hi, this is Josh Porter. Jason Burkhardt. And Brian Thomas. Happy Thanksgiving or post-Thanksgiving, everyone. Uh, it's uh, Friday, the day after. Uh, we're here with episode 134. <laughs> What's that, Jay? Hope everybody's awake. <laughs> yeah. um, episode 134, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, ESG. What's ESG, Brian? Environmental, social, and governance as and, a tool for investing. And uh, it's it's a uh, it's great great opportunity here to chat about this because I've been learning loads over the last uh, couple of months thanks to you, Brian. And um, we're going to get a, a chance to hear directly about uh, what ESG is, how we can take advantage of that, and some strategies, right, uh, that you have in mind in terms of how to be involved in the uh, financial aspect of the renewable energy industry. Right, and as a as a key component and tool to drive change. I think one of the most powerful tools that people have at their disposal that there many aren't utilizing. And I did this great webinar with Brian over the week, and uh, I was kind of blown away. I, you know, so anytime I can learn, I get excited. But also in this area, there's a lot for me to learn. So I was uh, kind of came out of that going, "Whoa! I got a lot of new ideas about how to do this thing." Well, thanks. Yeah, that so. was awesome. The, the, the teaching aspect is something that I love about my business. Right. Right. You know, yeah. and, and especially showing something that is I'll be so uh, bold as to say life-changing. Mm. You know, when it comes to, we talked about the risk management process that I deployed. But anyways, we'll talk about There you about go. It. We'll jump into that in, on this show here. Uh, uh, and then let's go right over to our housekeeping, Jay. You guys ready for this? Yep. yep. All right. So, hey, folks, this is the Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here, lovely Maui County. Uh, we can be found Fridays at 105 p.m. on Ka'oi, 1110 a.m. Also, some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. www.solar-coaster is where you can find all our old shows. Uh, watch us streaming live. Mr. Porter, we're up and running, yes. Uh, Check all the uh, the latest news from our blog. Facebook is all connected. And um, most importantly, get on the mailing list or submit questions. So I, I mean, I've got a few of these over the last couple of weeks about what's going on with, uh, with uh, Enphase specifically. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Um, but go any page, and down the bottom there's a little question box. Just fill in your uh, your information and your question, and it'll come right to us. Uh, podcast networks, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and a bunch of others all carry the Solar Coaster, and you can ask uh, Siri or Alexa, uh, even with a laser beam, to um, play the Solar Coaster podcast, and it should work. <laughs> Very good. We uh, we got uh, some great sponsors that have kept the Solar Coaster on the tracks. Uh, Fairwinds Wealth Management. Thank you, Brian Thomas. Uh, also, uh, Sundrum Solar uh, doing some amazing work out here in Maui presently. And then Pantech Design. And I'm particularly interested in Pantech's products because of, you know, I, I have my home and I'm looking at how to do some of this uh, very cool home energy automation uh, stuff right now, talking with those guys about that. Uh, we do have another uh, sponsor that's coming right around the corner. Uh, and uh, I won't say too much about it, but I'm very excited because what this company does is super unique, and I haven't seen it in the industry. And for us not to see it is quite a thing because we have our uh, we're we're looking 24/7, right? So hey, well, we didn't know about smart panels a year and a half ago either. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's, there's so much to discover. Uh, we have uh, this is a call-in show. If you'd like to jump in and give us a call, uh, 808-242-7800 is the call-in line. Um, I will say that if you are a local business, we have a couple of sponsorship uh, spots left in our local sponsorship section, which happens right around now. Uh, as similar to Fairwinds Wealth Management, if you have a business that tunes into the, uh, wants to get a, access to the Molokai, Lanai, Maui, uh, Big Island, North Coast uh, region that the Solar Coaster uh, distributes its wonderful ideas to, then do consider coming on as a sponsor. We have one spot left, uh, and we look forward to hearing from you about that. So, news and events time, folks. Right away. Um, the Guardian is reporting about a, a relatively famous Australian billionaire, Andrew Forrest, also goes by Twiggy, uh, is his committed to invest in a giant $20 billion plus development project to develop uh, gigawatt power uh, solar arrays. And then they want to send the power off to Singapore. Now, Australia and Singapore aren't really connected. <laughs> Not really connected, no. Not really connected. So this project includes more than like 3,000 miles worth of a submarine high-voltage cable, um, which is just, a, 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 I mean, it's a tremendous undertaking. I'm looking at this this project and just going, oh, my goodness. But it seems like a really, really neat idea to take the land that they have available and send it to places where they don't 
have really the, the, the surface area to get that much solar power. It's pretty remarkable, Jay. Uh, you know, and I think that uh, I don't know if there's any. Is there is there an example of a of a of a high voltage? They're calling it the sun cable, a high voltage direct current transmission network of that length anywhere. Is this like the first time that that's been done? Well, across, across Europe, they do it. I mean, there there are large, um, and, and it's not that it's one big cable, right? It's it's going through the island chain that goes up to Singapore. Um, so it so it'll it'll surface every so often, and they'll be able to. I mean, they generally ships that go around, and they can they can patch cables and do things. Um, but but it's, it's so it's not one big length. But I mean, across Europe, they have large, um, large high voltage networks. Uh, that share in between all the nations there. Right. So it's not that it's completely unheard of, but this is this is quite an undertaking. What do you think, Brian? Uh, they, 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 they do want to complete by 2027, which mm. I think is also ambitious. Heck yeah. And, and also, I mean, there's discussions that have come up in the past uh, about Lanai generating power for Oahu, you know, and running a cable between those places. Yeah, well, there's, mm -hmm. that, you know, it's interesting because uh, these distances are relatively small in comparison with what is uh, what is happening in other places around the world. You know, but you have a you have a, uh, a general perception of connecting islands. Very, dif very, very difficult to do something like that here in Hawaii. Yeah. And then I wonder if the depths play a role in that, you know. And, and, and also, um, it'd be good to get somebody on to talk about, say, superconductors and sort of an efficiency of transmission and how that... Mm maybe is more uh, applicable nowadays, you know? What do you mean? You mean like superconductors are a more efficient transmission mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so there are... Uh, As opposed to like a DC cable. Yeah, just a basic well, copper cable, right? Right, right. okay. So, so, okay. And, and I don't... Yeah, it's still, still going to be DC. You're talking about resistances, but yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> so it's a different technology. I mean, we did... Remember, way, way back, Jay, not to get too into this, but we talked to the guys, uh, one of our friends out in New Zealand... And they mentioned that they had a DC cable from the was it the South Island to the North, and so these you know the submarine cable right for the you know for, for electric electricity. So these things exist, but at that level, and it's it, it's interesting. Australia just keeps coming in the news. So they got this kind of Twiggy. I love the name of this guy, a, a, a Australian billionaire. And and, and he's kind of, he's kind of a younger guy looking too, you know. <laughs> it's crazy. And, the, and then what was interesting about I saw about that article too, Jay. And I don't have it in front of me, but it said uh, 10, 10 gigawatt hours of generation and mm. 22 gigawatt hours of storage 10 gigawatts of gen and 22 gigawatt hours of storage that's what the project would have yeah. right like Whew. yeah i mean yeah. that is that is an unreal size of storage you know and it seems like australia is the and to put that bed. into perspective gigawatt gigawatt j is that is that wait is a gigawatt the size of a, of a nuclear power plant or a megawatt about about yeah about one gigawatt is, gigawatt is what you would expect out of a nuclear a large a current sized nuclear facility there you go so that puts it in perspective uh all right jay which one do you want to touch on next okay um cnn business news has a great article about solar and wind and hydro it could soon surpass coal i would argue that it's already happened um but they're they're specifically examining how um this this negative feedback loop of of companies uh coming online just um really really supplanting all the coal generation that mm -hmm. we have um you watch this this wonderful graph that they have and it starts around like 2008 and it's just a job i mean you would you would probably be jumping out of windows if you're a financial guy <laughs> this type of graph uh next year we're going to be <laughs> probably about the, the the 1978 levels in our consume our consumption of coal across the nation I see, I see. and and 2021 they 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 are pegging cnn business news is pegging as the the, the, the true crossover year where there's just no turning back wow yeah, that that was a component of my ESG talk, but uh, oh, well, we can jump into that. I mean, okay. but this this well, this graph, we can, this, we can revisit. <laughs> yeah, this coal's shrinking role empowering America. The graph, like you said, is very uh, very dramatic, um, and so yeah, yeah unbelievable. It, it, yeah, I mean, okay. it's it's the marketplace driving that, but it's the numbers making it work to drive that. Mm. And so there's a this is. Uh, it's pretty fascinating. You know, Texas, which was a coal state, rich in coal, uh, now Texas generates more uh, via solar, wind, and hydropower uh, than coal, which right. is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And they list a couple of companies that have gone bankrupt in the coal uh, business, right? Uh, and so some of, the, some of the largest, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's and, uh, uh, Yeah. That's, I mean, and, 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 yeah. and Jay said it well. It, it's a negative feedback loop, you know? 
And uh, as the company's demand is diminishing, right, from coal, uh, these other technologies are getting cheaper, they're getting deployed more, they're getting economies of scale. And, um, you know, I mean, ESG investing is sort of driving that a little bit too because there's money coming into it. So, so with money leaving coal, right, it's a poor investment, and that money's going into renewables. So it's kind of uh, yeah. it's 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 getting forces on different and on multiple sides at the same time, basically. So like I just noticed that there was a, a football game where I think it was Harvard and Yale maybe, and the students rushed the field to uh, uh, basically protest and say they the, the twenty nine and thirty nine billion dollar don't quote me on that uh, relative endowments of those two institutions should divest of uh, fossil fuels. Yeah, and I imagine by now they most likely are. So. Uh, I would be surprised if they're not. Right. So the kids you know. just were trying to push yeah, a little and, bit and, further. <laughs> and we'll talk about that because it's um it's an important component. Right. You know, and, and sure. I would say uh I think that if those people marching the field were to demonstrate somewhere on a blog or Twitter account where they're invested mm-hmm. and specifically what they should not invest in, that may have more of an effect than marching right. on a field and uh, Doesn't sound like you're causing a scene that like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just don't think it's the, I don't know. It, it's always place. better if you, have, if you have your alternative ready than just complaining. Yeah, <laughs> it, it gets attention, but it didn't deliver any facts. Like, mm. I want to see the facts. Right. And, mm. and like I said, I would be surprised if those endowments are, uh, because they have a fiduciary duty, which encompasses uh, owning industries that are going to be viable and be around. Ah, right. Um, I, I but then again, because they're so large, they probably do have some. But mm-hmm. but maybe they have a total divestiture of that or so. But if if they don't, they're considering it. It's just you just see so much happening. Even just putting together the last couple of stories, you see this just a clear trend towards a new energy economy emerging. Right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Jay, walk us down the road. Win your hands, buddy. Real real quick. The holidays are upon us with the uh, the passing of, of Thanksgiving here. I'm sure everybody's listening oh to Christmas carols on the radio already. Um, <laughs> but all I want for Christmas is a solar power plus an in-phase ensemble battery backup is yes. the title of this article. Actually comes from our buddy John. Um, John Weaver out of uh, we we met at SPI. Nice job, um, great guy. Check read up read all his articles. PV Magazine. John Weaver. But um, this is Enfias has finally um, released real specifications for the N charge system and installation guides for the new ensemble package, which is huge news. I mean, this invariably, I think like. 75, 80% of my uh, communication with listeners is always about Enphase. <laughs> When's it coming? When can I get it? How much yeah. is it going to cost? Yeah, people tend All to be really things. interested in Enphase. And, 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 so it, and, it, and they really are targeting the very, very end of this year to really start rolling the stuff out. So it is, it is Enphase's Christmas present to the world. <laughs> here, super, here it comes. Super cool. Um, and so there's, some, the, there's some numbers there, right, Jay? I mean, they've been doing really, they're performing uniquely. I think Brian probably speaks to that a little bit. But just in the overarching idea of Enphase, I mean, you have just a if you if you scale if you jump back a little bit, right? Yes, Enphase mm-hmm. is releasing a solar plus storage product called Ensemble, and it is miraculous. So, you know, and we've had conversations with Ragu and Martin, the founders, a couple of times. And we've kind of peeled back the onion a bit, and we're getting so so close to the actual information. The installer, uh, you know, uh, training kits are out, and you can you can pre-order your system now. I mean, it's all there. Um, but if you were to think back, it's like why? It's an interesting thing in my mind is why were the uh, the central uh, inverters able to uh, have battery systems first, and then of course Solar Edge and the, and the DC optimized uh, inverters were able to do, get make a lot of ground on the grid interactive solar plus storage uh, systems. And now finally, the microinverters. I, I mean, I guess there's they're a little bit more complicated to allow to bring storage into, but they, they will they ultimately emerge as one of the leaders in the solar plus storage market? I mean, this is it's, it's really kind of a, a riveting uh, uh, you know competition here. Yeah, it's it's going to be amazing to follow this just to see see how it goes. But I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. There's the, when you, we're talking about a system which has a lot of little microinverters, they're all supposed to be um, not not only grid aware but be able to negotiate an off grid operation mode. Um, there's so many little tiny. Um, 
transactions that need to happen between all these devices. And that's that's what Rigu was talking about when we met at SPI, is all these little transactions that, that they can happen um, between the devices. It's, it's, it's a tremendous undertaking on the software side. So you have all these things that need to talk to each other. And and they've gone about it in a really smart way, where these, these IQ8 um, microinverters are in pretty much every product that they're going to sell. It's in the small battery system. It's in the large battery system. It's, it's, in the pa it's on the panels uh, because it brings everything up to a standard specification, a standard protocol, and you know what to expect out of these units, and it makes it a whole lot easier to get them to all to talk to each other. Brian, I think one of the big questions, and then I want to hear what you think about this from a financial perspective, but one of the big questions about which of these different types of technologies will emerge as one of the dominant solar plus storage technologies is how much simpler will this make this solar plus storage installation process? Because it's still uh, fairly complicated, and it's still challenging to make that work out, pencil out from a financial perspective on an individual uh, basis. But if, if this, and we, we hinted at this with our interview with Ragu Jay earlier uh, at SPI, we said, is this going to make it easier for installers? Is it going to do the same thing that Enphase did for solar installations back in 2000 and whatever, eight or nine or 10, as, uh, as, as is going to do the same thing for solar plus storage, where it makes it very simple to design, very simple to maintain? Is that going to be the case. I think that really is the big question in my view. Brian, what do you think about this uh, from, a, from a financial perspective? Yeah, I mean, from the technical side, I don't know. But what I do know is I'll look at the company, I'll look at their earnings growth and sales growth, and that gives me some ideas, right? Mm -hmm. I'll also look at a cha uh, stock chart to see how it's responding, how the market perceives their offering to the marketplace. And and as a company, Enphase sales are up 130% quarter over quarter, right? So that's strong. I mean, mm -hmm. that's very strong. The stock itself is up 362% year-to-date. 362 year-to-date, yeah, whoa. Yeah, 362% year-to-date. So clearly there, and, and it's actually down from its highs of about 35, uh, so it's trading about $21 a share. So, I mean, that's with that fallback from 35 to $21 a yeah, share. How often do you see that type of a trajectory over a year um, in a company that's doing something? Pretty like rare. Pretty rare, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see it in like little penny stocks, but it's not sustainable, right? There's, It's just kind of hype or so. But if this one has the earnings growth behind it, and the, and, and by the way, this is not a recommendation. <laughs> but, you should have a button to push. You know, <laughs> just so you can. But I mean, the earnings quarter over quarter are up 789%. I mean that's unreal. So seven. What does that mean? Seven eighty nine for quarter over quarter. Yeah. In other words, from this quarter last year. Oh, I see. Right. So. Um, Jeez, Louise. Yeah, yeah. Actually, well, quarter before this one. Actually, not last year. So not fiscal quarter. Quarter so over quarter. Eight hundred, so, almost eight hundred percent. Yeah, growth. yeah. I mean, they're selling a lot of product, right? And so, because I don't know the technical aspects like you guys would, what I can say is that they are selling products. You so know? that seems to me like it's the market, and they have this strategy up and running where they're they're selling their IQ seven pluses. Uh, which are not grid forming. They're not the IQ8s, at least in the U.S. market. But, but, <laughs> yeah, and the, the IQ8s are are being spec for the storage because they're the same. Those are the products that need they need to be in the storage, right? So, but these those IQ7 pluses interact with the N N N charge. Oh, geez, Jay, here, so save me. Yeah, the awesome. N charge ensemble. And yeah. charge ensemble a storage product. So, I mean, okay, there's a lot to this, but the bottom line is that these guys are selling those IQ7 pluses like gangbusters from what we can see. And that's probably behind the revenue uh, that you're seeing uh, right. over the last year. And, and, and what's amazing is they're having that large of sales when everyone knows that the IQ8s are coming out. It is amazing. Like, it like, is amazing. Like they're not saying that's, like, well. That's been the conversation, exactly. That's a lot that of confidence. You can, yeah, you can, you can buy I, the, the 7 Pluses now. You can get solar on your home. You can start the process. You can claim that 30% ITC before the end of the year. Federal tax And credit. then later on, you, you can just plug in and in charge with the IQ8s, and it will grid form off from the battery side. And we hey. do have a guidance letter from the IRS. I'll say this. You don't have to worry about it. A guidance letter indicates that if you put it, in, it's not, uh, I guess, the actual law, but saying that if you put in a battery within a reasonable proximity of time from when you put in a solar system, you can claim the federal tax credit on that as well. It's a guidance yep. letter that came out a, a year or so ago. Uh, you know, thanks to Marcos Mangeldorf for sending that to me recently to remind me of that. So that is relevant, right? Yeah. And Jay, when you said yep. grid form, what what does that mean for us? Uh um, okay, that means that when the grid goes away, basically um, anybody who has a solar system now knows that when the grid goes out, your solar system shuts down. And there's a very specific safety reason for that is that you you would you don't want to be exporting power when the lineman comes out to try to fix the, the power cable on the side of the road because you will kill someone. 
So that's the reason why they, they have to shut down. But things have changed now. We have smart switches in isolation uh, that, are, that can, can make your, your home an independent energy generating unit. And so the grid forming component means that it'll start, it'll start up, it'll realize that there is no grid connection, but I still have power available. It will start that 60 hertz sine wave, which is the AC power we all, we're all familiar with. And then all the other ones will piggyback on top of that. So your seven pluses will piggyback on top of the sine wave generated by the IQ8s. I think we're, we're well into the technical and financial weeds That's right now, very, gentlemen, very technical. but it Bas is- Basically, what, is, basically what it means is it, you, can have, you can have power when the grid goes out, regardless of if whether- If you wanna see what we're talking, talking about there is from July 15th, 2019. It's got about 6,000 views directly from Enphase Energy proper. Uh, there is a, a, a an Australian gentleman. What's, uh, I forget his name here, but uh, it says, they don't say who it is. But in any case, I guess those IQ8s are released uh, in, in Australia. Or are they were able to give access to some people or they found that? So the bottom line is they show a solar panel, a single solar panel with an IQ8 powering a bunch of electrical devices. From a, a solar guy's perspective, that just looks like magic. So that's what we're talking about, folks. A solar oh, really? panel. It's just putting a panel out there in the sun <laughs> and plugging a fan into it. Right? But we always kind of want it in the industry. That's why people are so excited about this stock, but, so excited about this product release, and we're seeing 800% growth in, in earnings from, uh, you said, quarter over quarter from last year is what you said, from 18 yeah, actually, to 19. Yeah, the previous quarter to this quarter. Previous year's quarter. So it's happening now, essentially. Yes. I mean, this is just, it's just bonkers. This is crazy stuff. And now, from that article, can the... Utility companies control these microinverters because I kind of read that a little bit, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I guess it's a matter of if they have that. Like, that's like actually, an aggregator. Yeah, that's part of the. Yeah, that's actually the part of the protocol. The, the aggregator conversation is one one component, right? Being part of a virtual power plant and being part of a larger larger community. You're saying that's um, baked into the, the IQ. Other, the other thing is just yet? for safety. The, the IQ eight, um, but the other the other component of that is that they're actually. Um, what is it? They they're they're able to. Um, God lost it. <laughs> well, I mean, if if that technology is baked into the IQ8 specifically, uh, then that positions Enphase to be uh, a massive aggregator and to be able to replicate yeah, that all around the country or the world. Yeah, and, but it's but it's the panel level shutdown. That's what I was going to say. Panel so level panel shutdown. level shutdown is a requirement now in a lot of jurisdictions because of um, fire issues and whatever else. They want to be able to to shut down specific panels and the micros facilitate that in a very easy and that's straightforward That's a big fashion. deal. There are rules that are being uh, set up in, in California right now, which are very uh, yep. uh, uh, stringent, which are very strict. And uh, I'm actually getting calls from different technology companies offering different technologies to, to address that issue right now. So that fire concern is becoming big. That panel level shutdown is becoming big. And Enphase is right there. Go figure. These guys always kind of seem to find their way to the, the, the seat of the issue. And, and it can help grid. They, they, they leapfrogged a bit. <laughs> and it can, it can help grid stability too from... Uh, what I read a little bit. Right, right. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, so Jay, maybe we can grab one more article that you like out of all this, something in Hawaii perhaps? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Hawaii Public Radio has put out an article on their website. Um, the online map identifies contaminated land within with a potential for renewable energy development. So this is a collaboration between the Hawaii Energy Office and the State Department of Health. Um, you can go right there and find this, this online map. It is basically all these what they're con called brownfield which is contaminated in some way it's basically undesirable land um pe people wouldn't want to build on for whatever reason but there's a lot of cases where these um these tracts of land are are really really optimal for solar installations you don't need to dig a whole lot you're not you're not no, no one's going to be living there right um so you could you could really roll out a whole lot of solar in in these areas and there are like federal grants and stuff you can you can use to uh, help offset the cost of construction when you do decide to develop uh brown field so all these i mean i was amazed at how many there are what's, first of all you what's go to neat is if, yeah if you guys if you want to take a look at it just google hawaii bright fields initiative and there's a, a, an on, online map and you can literally scroll through it and select each of those tmks and learn about the site and what you know what it is and then that's a i mean it, it really is a key thing right now um because we're at the kind of precipice of of this huge utility scale deployments of solar we're at rfp 
Phase 2 was just submitted. Uh, RFP Phase 1 for the utility uh, are going through a number of hearings uh, with uh, folks that are concerned about the location of solar systems, these big solar systems. So this kind of pinpoints some potential solutions, right? Uh, and that is not uh, that, that is not inconsequential at this particular time in the history of Hawaii and the tra energy transition. It's a big deal. And you, the transparency is beautiful. You go in there, you click on it, you see exactly what we're dealing with. I think it's amazing. I had no idea this was out there. There you go. <laughs> All right. Cool. So I think right. we could probably should swing, uh, stop there and then go over to our commercial break. We'll come back with Brian Thomas of Fairwinds Wealth Management. Sound good, guys? Great. Yep. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. All right, those were our wonderful uh, sponsors. Uh, been spent quite a long time with Sundrum and Mike Interior. Got to thank him for that. Doing some really awesome projects out here, and then of course Pantech Design. Uh, thanks to Troy and Megan and all the folks out there that we we uh, we really appreciate those guys. So we are here to uh, have a conversation with our first uh, local sponsor, Brian Thomas of uh, Thomas of Fairwinds Wealth Management, owner proprietor, independent operator. What else you got there? Uh, all the above. All the above. <laughs> I, I'm excited about this uh, for a lot of different reasons, Brian. But I mean, uh, we did get a chance to do that webinar this week. Thank you for that. And it, you know, there's. I guess I, I've, I'm kind of coming from a pretty, pretty uh, basic level of understanding of the financial industry. So to be able to, it, you just, I feel like I, I learned so much in a short period of time. Super uh, cool process and you know, exciting content. And Jay's going to get a chance here. Jay's a little more savvy in the financial world than I am. So we'll get a chance to hear about about ESG. Tell us what you're up to. What, what, what do you think here? Yeah. So um, that webinar we did, I, I do that for clients across the country. Uh, I can show essentially somebody in five minutes uh, a risk management process that serves to have them on the right side of the trend, you know, when assets are going up. And they can see visually how it works. It's systematic. And, you know, I'll ask somebody, okay, what's your risk management process? Oh, we're diversified. We're asset allocated, which are the traditional, what they call modern portfolio theory. And that came out in the early 1950s, so I wouldn't say it's that modern. Yeah. But what mm -hmm. we do know is that when uh, markets sell off, the all those assets move in correlation to each other, and the correlation is what rises. So they all tend to trade together. They trend. Yeah, in which is like stocks, bonds, and stuff like that, because people are liquidating and they're selling off. So the very time when asset allocation, so-called diversified portfolio, is supposed to work to mitigate the risk is what we can see historically, that it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Because everything is happening at the same time anyway. Yeah, when people are dumping, they're dumping across the board, right? They're not, they're just dumping to get some liquidity, right? right? And so we can look at history and see that. But our industry, the financial services industry, uh, is still using the exact same process to manage money that didn't work when it's supposed to in the tech crash and didn't work in 2008. And so, so we use a different process and I started in this business in 1998. You know, and there's, there's a huge amount of people in my industry out there that have 10 years experience. Well, 10 years experience means you've never seen a bear market. I right? graduated from college mm -hmm. in 98, so like, <laughs> you, you basically, you've been doing this my entire post-college career. Yeah, and, and it's like, if you've never seen a bear market and you've never seen things plunge and liquidity dry up and you can't, right. there's no one to oh. sell to, it's hard to navigate that. It's like a, it's like a someone crossing the ocean on a ship or a, sailing a boat that's never seen heavy, heavy winds. You, you know? need a soldier. You the, need someone that's been through this. The whole dynamic changes, yeah. And 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 so Josh and Jay had the foresight a few uh, months ago. They saw it from their side uh, to talk about the investment aspects of renewable energies. And so I came in, we talked about uh, what some of the asset classes were that people can invest in. And an asset class is like a stock, 
or a bond or a commodity. And generally, they're stocks. So we talked about ETFs being a vehicle, right? The vehicle like a mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund. Uh, and ETFs are super popular. We talked about that. There's and that's like a basket of stocks that have a certain character to it. Yeah. And, and then you can own that, right? Yeah. And and technically speaking, it's not just a basket of stocks. It can be a basket of convertible right. bonds or, or currencies. And the ETFs are incredibly powerful nowadays. And they were they were powerful when I got in the business uh, in 98, right? I, I worked for the biggest Swiss bank for five years and, and my own firm since 03. And it's uh, it, it was very apparent the benefits of an ETF way back when. They're right. super tax efficient, incredibly tax mm -hmm. efficient, right? And now there's so much more choices. And then we talked about TAN, it's the ticker symbol, and you can just put TAN in Google and you get that ETF, and TAN is a ticker symbol for solar stocks. And it just so happened at the time, and Josh and Jay didn't know this necessarily, but you know, as I'm doing the research, it was the number one performing ETF. Unbelievable. It's incredible. Yeah. And, and so for people to think, oh, you know, it's a fad or renewable energy, yeah, it's, it'd be kind of cool, whatever. It's not a big deal. But it is a big deal because it is the, play, the best place to invest. It's really, it's really, well, it, it was it, at the time, I should it say. It speaks to kind of the, what we're doing here on this show a little bit too, because we, you know, we just kind of point the broad kind of direction of what we want to learn about, because we kind of have a, 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 a gut kind of feeling like that, that seems an important area to be a part of. And that's, you know, from a technical perspective, from a company perspective, from a, you know, trending uh, perspective, uh, or even geographic, uh, you know, this country's doing this really special stuff. But in this case, it was, we need to know more about what's happening in the financial markets related to renewables, because there's, there's just this real strong strong movement and change in our society. And w if we don't, we're not equipped to understand that, then we, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we we yeah. need to know that. So that was kind of what we brought you on, right? And that was, and we've, we've learned. And then along those lines, j just, uh, just as we kind of were curious about that particular area, Boom, we have on, you know, Lior from Solar Edge, Lior Handelsman, and it turned out that, you know, TAN was performing unbelievably the best uh, ETF in the market, and Lior's on that day, and the bucket, the biggest piece of that, e of, the, of TAN was? Was Solar Edge. Was Solar Edge. And and it was, we, yeah, it's awesome. It was crazy, and then we got a chance to, to hear directly from Lior uh, about why his, why his strategies, his ideas about the company and the technologies and why they're performing so well. I mean, it's kind of amazing uh, that it, we're, it's, we're certainly on the right track. I feel like we're on the, we're, we're following the right track. Yeah, it's incredible, yeah. And and so Josh and Jay to be doing this show to talking to the people that are making it happen, uh, it's a it's it's a joy to be here. And oh, I mean, that's it's, awesome. it's, it, it is very cool. And if I can give the perspective of people, the goal was to show them how they can invest in it. Right? Mm. If you own a if you own a solar panel in your house, great, you're getting the benefits of that. But with a simple decision to point your investments to an ESG strategy, right? And it, we talk about ESG: environmental, social, and governance. Right in the past, when I started, there was Calvert Funds, which was a mutual fund family that did SRI, social responsible investing, right? and and it's always been good. It just there was a cost to doing that, you know, because they weren't performing, right? And the, and you had to give up some performance in exchange of doing that. Right. But it turns out, and and this is what I want to talk a, a little bit about, is that uh, year to date, that that TAN, even after it's pulled back a little bit. Uh, it's still up 48%, right, yeah. year to date. And and another ETF, which is a renewable energy ETF, which incorporates other other methods like geothermal, uh, wind, and that is PBW, mm. uh, P, Pablo, B, Bravo, W, Walter, right? And again, these are not recommendations, but study a little bit, take a look at it, and compare it to some of the investments that you may have, actually. Right. And, and these are broad ETFs that own a basket of different things. So they own companies that you wouldn't necessarily be able to buy because they're not traded in the U.S. So it gives you some geographic diversification. Oh, in because that they're, on different, uh, they're on different markets, exchanges and different in different exchanges. countries. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, you could mm -hmm. buy them. It so just an gets, ETF gives you broader reach, too. Absolutely. That's another yeah. component of the, the value of that. Yeah, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. I mean, especially the TAN, there's, there's companies that it would be diff more difficult to buy and certainly more expensive to buy them if you wanted to own them. But then you're just you're owning that little tiny company, right? Or you're owning that... And you don't know if that's going to be a winner or not. Very difficult to pick winners in, it, it, in companies in the renewable energy space. Yeah, and, th and that's why some of these ETFs, you're, you know, you're, you are diversified a little bit. You're going to give up 
some as opposed to like owning, if you owned end phase, you'd have a way higher gain, <laughs> right? right? I'm thinking about but then that you'd right have now. all that eggs in that one basket. Right. You so know? I know I have such little experience in this that I'm just seeing the things that we just went over, right? So I'm looking at that coal chart, yeah. right? Oh, and yeah. I'm looking at some of the volatility in the general fossil fuel. Uh, in what did we look at before? We looked at something on the webinar related yeah. to that. And, and yeah, here's a code word, volatility, losses. Losses. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's right. That's a nice word. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the general upward trend of, of some of these ETFs, that's what we were looking yeah. at, right? Yeah, and, and, and you don't have to overthink this and overcomplicate it. Just pull up a chart of that, and there's money flowing into that. And, right. and, it, and we talked about why a little bit, because there is some demand for it. There's there's a political demand for it, right? But there's like also in, the, in the renewal in like the RPS, like the, the like the Hawaii's 100% re renewable uh, portfolio standard, like that. You mean? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and, and and not all the states are like Hawaii, you know, but they're more and more are becoming like that to to incorporate rules to put in place. Renewables. So you have these forces that are almost pulling out of the fossil fuel industry and moving towards the renewable energy, the new energy economy. Not almost, are. Are. Okay, I like it. Yeah. So you got these forces, and they're different. They, these forces are different characters. They're policy driven. They're market driven. They're uh, like almost kind of um, like we talked about that Harvard and Yale game where guys are out there, the whole in the student body, trying to encourage those massive endowments to divest of fossil fuels. So all these things working together yeah. are, are producing these results. Yeah. And then and so what I want to show is that how you can do it, why you should do it, and what it means to do it. Mm. Right. And so so how you do it. You invest in an ETF, you know. Uh, anybody in my business can do that necessarily, right? But, I mean, I think I know the renewable energy space a little bit better than the average person out there. Um, your big firms, Vanguard, can probably do that or so. I don't know. Uh, and they, and there's some, there is an ETF with the ticker symbol ESG. I'd be cautious on that. There's very little volume traded in that, right? And there's very little volume means it's hard to get in and out of and very expensive. Is that ESG? Does that stand for uh, environment social governance? Or yeah, different? yeah, that that is the so ticker they, symbol. They took that 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 moniker and put it right and put it on the. But uh, there's very little volume in it, so it doesn't make sense to invest in that one actually. Gotcha. Uh, but you know, one thing too, we talked about how TAN and PB, PBW are so high. That is concurrent to uh, XLE is a is a sector spider essentially the big one for representing energy mm. that's up 2.6 year to date so very very little growth right we see that we see that sliding backwards practically when you say overall energy you, you're that's you're saying that that's fossil fuel related right it's it's uh all it's, kinds of energy yeah crude natural gas um traditional fossil fuel energy so that's, that's kind of that's on the a driller trend absolutely yeah you know, like, in other words, it's costing you to be invested in those antiquated industries. So this is flipping the whole concept of the original ESG on its head and saying, well, we have to pay to do something of value. Uh, we have to maybe make some decisions that aren't necessarily about making money. But now that's the opposite. Yeah. And and, and so when you talked about that as uh, the political environment's driving that a little bit, we also talked about, and you've had on the people doing that because it's the confluence of we're past the generation. We've got that down, right? And those costs are still falling. Generation meaning like solar panels and solar panel generation. Yep. And then the confluence of the technology of storage, mm -hmm. right? That's being rolled out, and smart panels, and and addressing the demand side a little bit. You know, LED, LED light bulbs and such. So that's all coming together in that political environment, right? The political environment just kind of happens to be there, but but all that stuff coming together. There's a third one, and this is something that. Uh, those of us in the business understand it, but people outside the business may not know and, and how important it is, essentially. Uh, there's a fiduciary, as someone who invests people's money, I am held to a fiduciary standard. Mm -hmm. I, I'm what's known as a registered investment advisor. I also have my Series 7. But if you're a traditional, what they call a wirehouse brokerage firm, you just uh, have to do what's in the client's risk tolerance, essentially, right? You don't have to put the client's interest first. And wow. that, that has gone back and forth, and we had the rule, but then it got repealed. And, but it's like, if you're a registered investment advisor, as I am, you have to put the client's interest first. I mean, it's, it, should, it should be a no-brainer, right? right? Right. But others that's, are- That's a law right now. Well, it's a standard. It's standard. a practice that the regulators enforce. Okay. Right? But, it, but, it, but people, other firms, the, some of the biggest firms, they, they're not at that standard. Okay. Which is pretty crazy, yeah. But as as it relates to ESG, um, it makes sense if you're uh, uh, a big investment firm, you are held to that fiduciary standard because you're putting money to work or so. Um, 
but there's a there's a value that you can justify to do that, at, and it's not going to cost you. Uh, to give you an idea, uh, Bank of America, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch Global Research in Initiative. Um, there's a data-driven case for ESG investing, and that and they concluded that a strategy of buying stocks that ranked well on various ESG metrics, buying only the best-behaved companies, in other words, would have beaten the broader market by up to three points per year over the past five years, like three percent per year. Yeah, and and this is an industry that you know will s- squabble about 0.09 expense ratio. So, so that's a significant. That's it's a significant it, shift. It's three hundred basis points. We measure things in basis points, right. which is point zero one percent. So that's that's three hundred basis points. So, with, and it's data driven. In other words, this isn't subjective. Like, oh, we think we should invest in that. It feels good to invest in that. We ought to be invested. This is a data driven research that shows that being invested in companies with good ESG scores, like, in other words, if you're in, if we can take the converse of that, right? right? If you're invested in companies that don't have good ESG scores, uh, it it of the 17 S&P 500 companies that went bankrupt between 05 and 015, they found that 15 out of those 17 scored poorly in ESG scores prior to bankruptcy. Hmm. So it, in other words, by doing right by the marketplace, your stock will do better. And you should therefore attract more funds to be invested in you, which then further propels your stock. And that's a positive reinforced Very interesting loop. to hear that. Very interesting for mm-hmm. a lot of different reasons. But I mean, you know, you can see uh, that it's almost like the, 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 the what ESG was 5, 10, 15 years ago is now fundamentally different. Exactly. Right? Well, and, and, and the data backs it up. I love it because it, it, it starts to kind of uh, smack of the, the flavor of, of pricing in externalities, right? Well, and, and, <laughs> that's, and, and, you know, that's exciting for me. I mean, the it, idea that those things can actually now be quantified and brought in. What I mean by that is these companies that are making money by kind of maybe polluting the, the public commons or something like that, that's no longer acceptable. Exactly. As, yeah. And, and not only not acceptable, intolerable. And from, if you're invested in that, you are not a fiduciary duty to that money that, that you are. So, that's so, so interesting. So, so it imposes a risk to those investors, right? And so if you look at it, and, and by the way, 2015 is when that thing ended, the study, right? Mm. And so, and-, and Oh, and, it's and, not even covering the last three years. Well, that's it. And I'm going to come back to Five that because that's, that's a key way to sign up, kind of nail this thing, right? Oh, and wow. So, so uh, the data shows correlation rather than causation, right? And so- the rising importance of intangible assets, the value of a company's brands, intellectual property, employee talent, uh, that may be the reason intangible why the assets. causation, you know? Oh. And then doing right by the marketplace. In this day and age of free communication, if, if you're a company not doing right by the marketplace, mm. it will get found out and it will get propagated easier and quicker than ever before. Right. So it behooves you to do right by the marketplace. There's no uh, pulling the wool over uh, there, this marketplace. Yeah, yeah. Days. I mean, and, and that's a good thing, you know, for us as consumers and citizens, right? Hey, Verkart, did you want to jump in here at all? I'm sorry, I was asking a bunch of questions. Um, but I was I was making notes on a couple other things. So the the the, the um, ETFs that you've all mentioned are these um, robotically managed or personally? Uh, good question. So that brings up the question of sort of concept of active versus passive. Right, and yep. these these ETFs essentially follow an index, and and all ETFs generally follow an index, and that index uh, are in these ones in particular they're passive investing. So they put the rules in place, they put the criteria, and those rules and systematic process will own the investments in there, and so those are more passive investments. There are more uh, a, a traditional mutual fund that has a let's just say a manager. Um, those are more active managed where someone is going to try and make a decision of what things to own and blah, blah, blah. So those are more uh, what we call active. So does that answer your question, Jay? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So ETF could be an individual or it could be an autonomous like a program, right? Well, a program would be passive by definition. Oh, OK. okay. Yeah. And active means someone actively uh, making it. Now, there are becoming active ETFs. That's kind of a newer thing where there's a someone that makes a decision. So it tries to emulate a, a traditional mutual fund with a manager. Okay. You know, so mm-hmm. that's a newer thing or so. But I mean, I, I, I like the process of have a rules-based uh, system in place to pick the investments, you know, and, and that avoids bias. It, it, my investment process seeks to uh, use that risk management tool to take the human feeling 
out of it. And it and because what feels good isn't necessarily the best thing to invest in. What, what I what I got out of our conversation on the, the webinar were kind of two primary things. One was not to the level we just discussed, but this trend in uh, ESG. And then alongside of that was your strategy in particular. And 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 you and you said a lot of things, but you said uh, one thing was um, was it uh, gain more by losing less? Was that the term? Indeed. Yeah. And I and I heard mm. it, and I go, oh, that's 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 what he's talking about right here. And what blew my mind was just that you know a lot of these, I guess, people in the industry, they may be. Um, uh, in any case, it was important, very very important to look on the uh, downward trend uh, and how you manage that time period as investing, right? Yeah, and and so. Uh you know, I could talk about ESG for a while longer, but my value add, if someone wants more information, I can talk about ESG, how they could participate in it, um, is that I will give away that risk management process to anybody that wants to see it. And I'll show you a website that you can go to to look at it once I give that. And it's a five-minute conversation. So if someone has money invested, uh, I would behoove you to inquire and we'll do a quick webinar. I'll, sh I'll give you the process to manage money so that you don't ride the market back down. And Wall Street says you should always be invested in stocks, right? But there's a time when you shouldn't be invested in stocks if they're in a major downtrend. And, uh, and I'll give that process away to somebody uh, if they want to inquire about it. And yeah, my, 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 um, when I saw that, I thought to myself, oh, this makes so much sense. And it, it's so easy to understand. Yeah, was it complicated? Could no, it was very straightforward. And, I, and, and then, then, then the numbers supported it. You looked over the last decade and people, it, it, if you had followed this process, where would you be? And it wasn't like a, uh, it wasn't super complex. It was very easy to understand. And then the thing that I was trying to understand is alongside of that, if, if you're, are we, are we saying, hey, there could be a downward trend in stocks coming? That could be possible. I have no idea, frankly. And you have no idea. Um, but if there were, this would something you would want to be prepared to, to implement. Yeah, and, and it keeps you invested when it's going up, and it has you out when it's going down. Now, it doesn't work perfect. Uh, past returns are not uh, <laughs> guaranteed for the future. These are all the disclaimers, <laughs> but, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, but we can show you how in a systematic manner, yeah. it tries to have you on the right side of the trend when it's up and out when it's down. And, and you know, I see people... They manage billions of dollars, very smart, but they're a little bit disingenuous when they talk about how, well, the market goes up for three years or for four year, uh, three years and then the fourth year it's down. And we just plan on that. But what they don't, what they don't talk about is how the S&P 500 fell from peak to trough in 07, from the peak of 07 to the trough of early 09, 55%. And that's a concept called drawdown. So it's like it did fall in that fourth year, but it took years to climb out of the hole. And you've wasted the most precious thing at that point, and that's time. You've wasted those years. And people talk about fees. Oh, I want to save on the fees. I mean, I'm as frugal as it gets intelligently. But at the same time, I'm not, I don't want to pay fees for years on end if the market's in a downtrend and I have to climb out of the hole. And so if, it, if something falls 50%, you've got to make back 100% just to get back to where you started from. Yeah, and that was kind of the key thing, right? It's the um, if you lose fifty percent, you got to make back one hundred percent just to get back where you started from. Yeah. that's the key piece of that uh, math, which may not be obvious to anyone. I wasn't thinking along those lines. The two messages I got were: a, prepare via this strategy for if there is a downturn, and b, get into ESG because it's 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 where everything's happening. Yeah, find some opportunities there, right? Those yeah. are the two two find messages ESG I got. Again for everybody, will you? Just and, to make sure to yeah, environmental, social, and governance, and and you know that. The governments, uh, the governance rather, there is a mechanism in place. The uh, United Nations has what's called the PRI. Uh, it's their sort of way of measuring the stuff. And what's this? This has been happening for a couple of years now. So we're starting to have the data behind it. But the measurement of sort of successful governance uh, and environmental and social stuff. Now that we're measuring it, we can keep track of it and we can monitor it. And, and so what people don't know in this industry is that there are uh, mechanisms in place to measure big companies' adherence to these criteria that has been put forth by these institutions. And so when we measure it, we can see who's doing better and who's not doing as well. Mm. And it just so happens that the companies do better are doing better. You know, we've got uh, something along the lines of like 80,000 solar systems, I think, in Hawaii. 
And so uh, that, that means that around 80,000 people, decision makers, said, I'm going to put a solar system on my roof. And they got something probably like a, initially in them, like maybe like a three to five. Talk about residential. Res- well, it's, it, that encapsulates everything, actually. Right. But the but the uh, but residential is you know where all the lion's share of those decisions are making quantity of those decisions. And uh, yeah. So if we think from a residential perspective, then there's an individual that said, hey, I'm going to invest 30, 40, 50 thousand dollars into a solar system. I'm going to take the 30 percent federal tax credit. I'm going to take 35 percent state tax credit. And then I'm going to uh, take those benefits and then I'm going to save money on my electric bill right away. And those those are effectively tax free savings. Right. Because you would have had to pay for those. Yeah. And so it's just such a compelling value proposition. And that they're believers. And a lot of those initial systems have paid themselves off, you know, uh, a number of times, probably at this stage. If you got, put your system in an 08, you, you you made out probably. Right. And so now you're here and they're and maybe they're saying, OK, well, I'm going to put it in another system on another house or I'm going to get how else can I get involved? Obviously. That that is an indicator of real power, right? Uh, well, okay, so it's, well, maybe I'll invest in a company like like Enphase. Maybe I have Enphase on my on my roof. If I did, I'd have an eight hundred percent increase, right, in the value of that stock. If I did, three hundred sixty-two, three hundred sixty-two year percent to yeah. year to date. Yeah. I was talking quarter to quarter. Okay. So, <laughs> and oh, but wait a second, I, it's hard for me to pick those winners. So therefore, an ETF might make sense. Yeah. And hey, maybe I should be nervous about my money sitting in in these fossil fuel uh, you know companies because there's all these other forces pulling money out of them. Right. And, 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 and what I'll hear to someone uh, is they'll say, well, ExxonMobil is not going to go out of business. It's like, no, they're not going to go out of business, but it's, a, it's not the best investment for your money from my perspective. And, and they're also so large that it takes a real movement of, of heaven and earth to change their, their stock price. But they're, yeah. and they're energy companies too. So another piece of that puzzle is that guys like Royal Dutch Shell, we've had some contact with this group, you know, they're out there investing billions, buying up renewable energy companies. The right? smart ones are, the smart ones are, Yeah. you know, and yeah, I just want to hit on this real quick. We talked about that, uh, the data-driven process and how those companies are doing better. And, and this confluence of a fiduciary duty, right? These, this, is, this is before sort of this year when all of those stocks are doing good in the renewable space. So in other words, it made sense and was already underway before those oh, stocks doing saying. good. It, and so, so the confluence of the technology coming together, the political demand for the stuff that's starting to unfold and now that these companies are doing well via earnings and we see the growth picking up, that's the sort of magic that's starting to unfold here. So uh, as, a, as a guy in the radio show that talks about this stuff all the time and has been an installer for nearly a decade, I'm starting to feel like I'm late to the party. <laughs> that's, uh, I want to get involved as soon as I can. So one quick thing, if someone is interested in uh, learning more and getting involved, taking your webinar, uh, meeting you and, and finding out how to harness the power of this, what, has one, what one person, not Brian Thomas, has called the largest transition of wealth in human history. I've, I've read that. Uh, this new energy economy, how can they reach you? Uh, Info at fair, starts with an F, Fairwinds Wealth, Fairwinds Wealth, info at Fairwinds Wealth, or go to my website, fairwindswealth.com, or give me a call, 808-873-3247. I'm on Twitter and Facebook, not too active there, but... uh, I'm out there. And Brian, Brian's a fun guy to talk to, and uh, he is really, uh, he'll help you understand this. And I, I just found it to be super valuable personally. If you're a listener of the Solar Coaster and you've been asking yourself, hey, how do I get those returns like I did when I put in a solar system? How do I uh, invest my money in for, for, for good, but also to uh, to participate and find things like uh, TAN and PBW and maybe find the next end phase? Maybe, uh, Brian, give you some feedback on that. And, and, and also... Like I said, I will give someone that risk management process. And I think if you've got money invested and if you don't have a proper risk management process, uh, you may want to explore that. Very good. Any uh, final words, Verkart? Uh, no, I mean, I really appreciate the time. It's it's uh, something you really, really should be looking at. If you are, you want to be involved, even if you don't have a solar system, you want to be involved in this energy transition. We, we, what did someone call it a number of years ago? Is it the largest transfer of wealth? in in human history <laughs> and it's a powerful country shift of force too uh we can talk about that some other show very but- good very good the first of many hopefully we'll get to continue this dialogue learn more from brian thomas and the other innovators in the new energy economy hey folks this has been the solar coaster we are renewable energy theme talks are right here in this wonderful place called maui county i hope you had a great thanksgiving uh we are sponsored by sundrum solar uh, Pantech Design and Fairwinds Wealth Management. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors. Uh, yeah, give Brian a call. Aloha Friday. Aloha.